Welcome to the Survival Guide for Orthodontists, the podcast that makes you the authority in orthodontics in your community. Get ready for insights on how to compete on expertise and trust against mail order in retail orthodontics. It's not always about the lowest fees. And now, from the People in Practice team, your hosts, Dr. Leon Klempner and Amy Epstein. Welcome back to the Survival Guide for Orthodontist podcast. My name is Leon Klempner. I am a retired orthodontist, 40 years, and co-founder and CEO of People in Practice. We started this podcast to bring in the best thought leaders in the field so that we can gain as much information and insight as to how to best respond to what I call an attack on the integrity of the orthodontic specialty. As always, I'm joined by my partner, my daughter, and marketing guru, Amy Epstein. Thanks, Dad. Hi there. Thanks for listening in. I'm Amy Epstein. I have about 20 years of marketing, uh, branding, and public relations experience working, working with companies both large and small. But my favorite businesses are really local, as all orthodontic practices are, because you have to delve into the individual personalities of each community, and every practice is so different, and it keeps things so interesting. Today, it's my pleasure to introduce Leanne Peniche, the founder and president of Peniche & Associates. She spent 40 years working with thousands of practices, teaching and coaching on best practices with patient process, marketing, and in general, the business of excellence. Leanne's philosophy is that each orthodontic practice has an opportunity to make a difference in patients' lives beyond just straightening teeth. The systems she's developed have helped transform the lives of thousands of patients by simplifying the process of starting treatment and helping practices stay relevant to patient needs. She has a team of 18 executives and consultants and lectures throughout North America and Australia on the business of orthodontics. Welcome to the podcast, Leanne. Thank you very much, Amy. I'm excited to be here today. Wonderful. Well, we're excited to have you, Leanne. And um, I am particularly excited to talk about a variety of different topics that I think are going to be very useful to our ortho listeners. Um, one of the things that um, our clients hire us for, people in practice, is to utilize our expertise to drive new patients to their practice. So we use a variety of different um, means, but primarily looking for patient referrals and internet referrals, and we drive a lot of people to the practice. Our goal is to increase starts and increase production. I mean, as an orthodontist, you and I both know that what's important to us is starts. It doesn't really matter how many calls we get, it's, it's production, and that's the bottom line. So one of the frustrating things that Amy and I have encountered with some of our clients, new clients, is that they, uh, they're getting new patients coming in, but a lot of them are going home to talk to their spouse, to think about it. Um, they're, they're not starting. And, and when that happens, it seems like we have like a leaky bucket. And um, I know that you work a lot with practices on their internal systems. So I'm curious, what, what do you think the greatest challenge in the, in the new patient process is to address poor conversions? 
Well, one is really the mindset. Um, most orthodontists and teams think that they're selling something. And the first thing that we do when we're working with a client is get in their head that when somebody reaches out either via scheduling um, online or they're telephoning your practice, they've given up time by the time they walk in the door. They drove across town, they came to see you. Um, time is the most valuable commodity. They didn't um, give up that time to come in, take a look, think about it, tell their child, um, well, we're going to go home, and um, and they don't want to disappoint their children. They've already decided that they want to have a beautiful smile. Um, so our mindset is that when somebody calls the office, they're already at yes. So if I can get the team to understand they're really not selling anything, that they're just mm -hmm. taking a patient from point A to point B, that's that's half of your case acceptance. It's the mindset that the office has. Um, so if we have the mindset that the patient's already at yes, and we can simplify that process by identifying obstacles for the patient, um, we can offer fle flexible financing, we can simplify the process by um, allowing them to have a virtual exam. We can simplify the process for their case acceptance by getting them in in one to five days. Then what you're looking for as far as an increase in production, you know, that will happen. Hmm. Leanne, you mentioned uh, virtual consultations, and you know I wanted to talk a little bit about how the new patient demographics have changed and how that's affecting things as well. You know, we most orthodontists are now using text-based appointment reminders, but we're we're encouraging virtual consults and uh, the adoption of other HIPAA compliant um, texting. Um, and digital communication opportunities sort of open the door and and lower the barrier to entry into a consult. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, beyond the the virtual consults, but these other options available? Well, it really, to determine what's going to be right for this patient, it really starts at that first point of contact. So let's pretend that it's a Saturday um, and somebody's online, they're researching orthodontics. Every orthodontic practice needs to be able to allow a patient to schedule Saturday night. You know, if it's nine o'clock at night and they're online, they should be able to schedule their appointment for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday next week online, not have to wait until Monday morning. Um, if the new patient is someone who is making a call on Monday to your office, then that first point of contact needs to be memorable right from the time the scheduling coordinator or receptionist or whoever the voice is, is answering the phone. That's where they are identifying the obstacles and identifying what type of appointment is appropriate for this patient. Mm -hmm. um, you know, are they highly motivated? Did they find us online? Um, do they have urgency that they wanna get in right away? Let's say the doctor is out of town. Um, offering that virtual exam absolutely works. Um, or having a remote exam, meaning that the patient comes into the office and we go ahead and do a scan and the doctor is remote while we're having the consultation. 
the offices have to be willing to use all of the means available. And we have a completely different type of patient. We have a millennial patient out there that is very comfortable with virtual exams. I have three personal physicians and all three of those offer a virtual appointment. So I can go into the office or if I'm traveling, I can actually go online and log in and have, a, have an appointment while I'm sitting in Chicago. Um, as well as all three of my doctors, I have their personal cell phones. That, that is a differentiator that, um, that we need now, blending that technology with the personal touch. Mm-hmm. Especially, Especially, you know, with um, millennials and as, as they come up in terms of becoming the primary decision makers in terms of orthodontic treatment, we, you know, they're, we call them digital natives and they grow up with technology. It's actually incongruent to them to not be able to use uh, any technology that's, uh, that they're using at the moment uh, to be able to schedule an appointment or connect with the practice. So um, it seems like you're in alignment with this, this philosophy. Well, the millennial patients, a lot of them are coming in for that selfie smile. So they're already in that mindset of that digital, that virtual world. They're living online. And so if they're coming in for that selfie smile, they're willing to have a virtual and they want a virtual exam. The new patients have to be able to be seen in one to five days. Where we used to have a new patient call and then we would tell them what our next available appointment was, which could have been two, three, four, five weeks out. And that was really cool when we were scheduled out that far. Now, when a new patient telephones the practice, we ask them when they want to be seen. So we're trying to meet their expectations. We need to find out what they are. So we ask when they want to be seen versus when we can see them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And and I can give you some of the pushback that I get because I talk to orthos all the time. And the pushback is that they're afraid that, you know, any of the virtual smile consultation types of things um, dilutes their relationship. They're, they're, they're nervous that they're going to be uh, equated with a direct-to-consumer type of operation and lose that personal touch. Uh, so that, you know, that they're, they're nervous about that. And, and one of the things that I, that I try to explain is that, that this is a way that you can actually enhance your communication and your relationship, and that it doesn't have to be all or nothing. And you talked about virtual consultation as a true consultation, but you know, uh, uh, orthos can kind of dip their feet in the water by just offering, you know, a, a smile evaluation, meaning just a touch point in order to a marketing touch point, just to reach a demographic that might not want to spend an hour, take off from work, take off from school, and, you know, come to the office just to find out if they're a candidate or not. So, I mean, they could use it just to kind of get them in for a, a, a person-to-person uh, consultation and take a full set of records. They don't have to, you know, they don't have to go all or nothing. What's important is that they identify what patient this is appropriate for, and the patient will guide you there. You just mm. have to ask the right questions. 
So we're always identifying obstacles for a patient to start treatment. It doesn't mean that they don't want to start treatment. It means patients do have obstacles. We have to listen, ask great questions, and identify those obstacles. We have to do the same when we're identifying what type of exam is appropriate for this patient and let them tell us. If we don't offer it, we don't know. Mm-hmm. We have That's not great. seen a decline in new patient um, acceptance from offering virtual exams or TC-only exams, meaning that the doctor actually doesn't come into the consultation. The doctor mm-hmm. is in the office. The patient comes in, but we may have a full schedule where with the traditional exam, we see one exam an hour. So we might see seven exams in a day. If I can have mm-hmm. the office increase their ability to see more exams by not having the doctor actually in that consultation, and I can reduce that exam time down to 40 minutes, I can see 10 exams a day. Hmm. Even if so I just Leanne, added let- one more exam a day, just one, and a doctor worked 14 days a month, and they had a 75% case acceptance, they're going to have at least 10 more starts. 10 more starts times $5,000, that is 50000 a month, that's 600000 a year. They need to yep. at least think of the opportunity. Yep. I, I think more and more are, are, are opening up to different possibilities now as, as, the, as the disrupted environment begins to you know, have its effect. One of the things we do on the podcast is we like to involve our audience. So um, if it's okay with you, let's take a caller and, and get a question and, and, and see where that goes. Very good. This is Andrew Grillo from Michigan. My partners and I have offices in both uh, Midland and in Bay City. My podcast question is, do you recommend offering varying fee levels for aligner patients in order to compete with direct-to-consumer Invisalign options? For example, offering a cheaper treatment option that involves aligning the teeth but not correcting the class 2? And if so, how should these be presented during a new patient examination? Well, that is a great question. And the answer is yes. Um, I do think that we need to be willing to offer that social six fix. Um, And it's not new. So when I worked for Bud Rubin, that's where I started out in San Diego. Bud, um, and not name dropping here, but Bud used to uh, treat uh, Diana Ross, Cher, Phyllis Diller, Michael Jackson. And what what they were looking for was a camera-ready smile back then. And how he treated was with Crozats and different removable appliances. And we're going back, you know, to the 60s and 70s. Now we have patients that want that selfie smile. And SmileDirect identified the patient that is willing to pay $3,000 and just wants a social six fix. That's what's walking in the door. I mean, that's what has been educated and and has been driven in by these uh, big box companies and box braces. So do I think that you should say, Nope, it's all or nothing. No. I mean, as long as it's not going to harm the patient and we can give them a social six fix, then yes, every doctor or every client that I have, we recommend that they have a something in the range of $3,600 to $3,800 treatment. And it might be a six-month treatment. It might be a very limited treatment. But they have to be willing to offer that. 
Does that mean that we don't educate the patient that we it's not the best choice, it's better than what they're going to have? We still educate the patient, but we're not trying to upsell the patient. There's a, there's a difference there because we don't want it to be sales. But I do believe that we should have a fee and it has to be competitive. So if the fee out there is $3,600 or $3,000 with your box braces, then I'm usually saying add about 20% onto that if that's what's going on in your area. And that would be what your fee is for that limited fix. So just to follow up on, on Andrew's question, I think part of it is, uh, is a, a sense that um, how do you present it to the patient without um, like cannibalizing the full treatment type of cases? In other words, if, you, if you're coming in with kind of two fees, one high, one low, the tendency is, well, you know, is it really worth it to spend more money? You know, is there any, do you have any advice on terms of, of the presentation? Well, first, it's going to be identified at the new patient phone call because we ask great questions. The TC is going to do a meet and greet when the patient comes into the consultation room. She's asking great questions, listening to the response to find out what it is that they want. Um, if they keep saying they just want their upper teeth fixed and they're really talking three to three, then when she goes out and she briefs the doctor, she's going to give the doctor this information. When the doctor comes in the room, and let's say this is one where it's a traditional consultation where the doctor is actually in the exam, then the doctor is going to say, I can get 70% I can get about 70% result using this, or I can get 95% here. It's really going to be not making the patient feel bad if they choose the lesser of the two, but communicating, here's your two options, and it really does come down to their choice. Hmm. Many times, I'm not gonna say all the time, but many times the patient is going to choose the best choice instead of just something that is better than what they yeah, have. Yeah. And, and, I, and I'm so glad that you are um, a proponent of, of offering limited treatment because at People in Practice, Amy and I really are encouraging our, our clients to, to open up to that opportunity. You know, Smile Direct Club is spending $300 million in advertising, driving people to get a nicer smile. And, you know, that, we're orthodontists. <laughs> That's, that should be our wheelhouse. Um, and we could do it. And we can, we can actually disrupt the disruptors and, and be very um, uh, efficient at doing it and, and serving the public well and doing it safely. Because who better than us uh, can determine whether limited treatment options are a safe um, alternative or not. Well, I, lo I love disrupting the disruptors. I, that's great. The, um, I was raised on limited treatment because of working for Dr. Rubin, and we had so many people in the media um, and people in Hollywood. And then when Align Technology came along, my husband was one of the first adopters. And when Invisalign came out, we were doing a lot of limited treatment with the technology that was limited at the time. Now, obviously, you can treat almost anything with Invisalign now, but 
even back in early 2000, um, doctors were struggling with, well, if I'm not going to get a perfect class one occlusion, I don't want to do this. So when you say that to a patient, you're basically saying, if you don't do it all, you don't get anything and you have to look like that for the rest of your life. I've always struggled with that. I don't think that's fair because we can go ahead and tidy up the front teeth. For me personally, it would be great right now if I would go back into a liner treatment and tidy up my front teeth versus going into two years of braces. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We're finding that, you know, in, in we, you mentioned Smile Direct Club and we talk to direct-to-consumer a lot, uh, talk about direct-to-consumer uh, programs a lot but and how they impact private practice. But, you know, this uh, opportunity for limited treatment we're seeing as one of the main benefits of that type of direct-to-consumer marketing. Uh, there's a lot of it going on, and it's driving people um, to consider going to a doctor for treatment if the option is available. So making the option available is key. Yeah, and, and, and now now we have, you know, with technology, getting back to disruptive disruptors, um, the technology of digital printers, which have come down, and, and many of our clients now have in-office in digital printers, the competition now has ramped up. So you, know, you don't have to spend $1,800 with Align Technology in order to treat with plastic. There are, there are other options where, you know, we, we have some orthodontists that, that can treat a, a, you know, a, a relatively easy three-month case or so. Uh, with an overhead of less than $500. So this is an, an extremely profitable segment and, and doesn't have to compromise you know, the rest of treatment. I, the, I love what you said before about um, you know, taking a full set of records, sitting down, and uh, presenting the options. I think that's our responsibility as professionals. I think we need to make a professional recommendation. I need, we need to take the, the necessary records. But... In the end, it really is up to the patient to make the decision as to uh, what is best for them. And I, I don't, I'm not concerned that 50% of the patients walking in the door are all going to want compromised treatment. But there is a market out there for that. And most of the patients, my understanding, and, and this is just from my research, you know, 70% and above, and in some reports it says 90% and above of Candid Smile, Smile Direct, you know, any type of braces in a box, are retreat patients. These are people that already mm -hmm. had braces, that they've had relapse, and being silly orthodontists, you know, my husband included and Bud Rubin included, is when we got done with patients and they went into retention, we dismissed them. We dead filed them. We put them in the morgue. We inactivated them because done. Well, all that happened was Smile Direct waited around until they those patients didn't wear their retainer, had some relapse, and they invited them in. What we need to do is to make sure that we continue to market to the people that we finished treatment on, that the door is always open, that we continue to educate them in a very proactive way. Just because they're done with treatment doesn't mean we booted them out of the family. Mm. And where years ago, you'd have to have a piece of mail, you know, it, it literally put a stamp on something and mail it to them to educate them. 
Well, we don't need that to educate our patients. We have their email addresses. We have them. They are part of, you know, their Facebook fans. So as, as a profession, if we would just hang on to our patients when, when we're done with treatment, then we wouldn't be feeding the smile direct. If they get mm-hmm. some inv- information and they, they're interested, it's intriguing, instead of reaching out to smile direct, they'll reach back to their good friend, Dr. Rubin or Dr. Rosenbarger, because they mm-hmm. love and trust him. And they've remained so in relationship with him. Yep. So, Leanne, you're such a great resource. We can't let you go without you giving us at least one or two tips for the listeners. That's why they're listening in. We're the survival guide for orthodontists. And, and you're, you're a person that could give us, from your experience, some suggestions. So, if you had to, you know, speak to the, the public, orthodontists in general, give us a couple of things that, that, that you feel would be important for us to do. One is make sure you have online scheduling. Number two, where we taught not to quote a fee over the phone. The answer is yes, we actually do quote a fee, but always quote what the payment is um, before you quote the fee so that you give them the smaller number than the larger number. Um, Your entire team needs to have a concierge mindset. The clinical assistant has become obsolete. She must be a clinical concierge. People don't write reviews about their clinical experience. They they write their reviews about the relationship that they have with the clinician. So meaning they don't write reviews because somebody bonded brackets in 30 minutes or they bent a wire um, or they had a 20-minute arch wire change. That's not what they write reviews about. They write reviews because we made them feel great. So your team, not just the clinical, your administrative team and your clinical team are in a very, very powerful position to influence what happens in your practice. And they must become the concierge. I think who we hire going forward isn't going to be a great set of hands. It's going to be a great heart and a great mind. Um, those would be the, the tips that I would say are most important right now. And that, one last so thing, I, one, one last thing is I would encourage every office to enroll more of their parents in treatment. Because if you get that alpha parent, and every parent is an alpha parent, but you get that alpha parent in treatment with you, a parent will talk more about themselves than they will about their children. We always talk about our children. But if you put an appliance in their mouth, they're going to talk to all their friends about, oh, their aligners or their braces or what they're doing every day. And that's a voice out in your community. So really enroll your parents. Mm-hmm. Yep, as brand ambassadors, absolutely. So do you, if, if people would like to learn more, um, do you have any upcoming workshops or how's the best way for our listeners to get more information? Well, they can always reach out to us directly and, and we do have our treatment coordinator intensive three times a year. It, we've had this for 11 years. It, we have 150 to 200 people at every course and it's for doctors, treatment coordinators, the entire team, even though it's called a treatment coordinating intensive. 
Um, and then we have the Office Management Academy. One of the things that we realized is that we were in a profession which became a business and is now an industry. And that person that is your office manager that used to just be by default your go-to person now really needs to be an executive. So we train the doctors and the office managers on the business of orthodontics. And we do that here in Portland. So in San Diego, that's where the TCI is. And that's 150 to 200 people. Or in Portland, you're sitting with me in a conference room and 14 people for two days learning the business of orthodontics. So we do that about eight times a year. So those are the ways you can reach out to us. We're always here. Great, Leanne. And thank you so much for spending time on the podcast. Uh, We really appreciate having you on. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. I appreciate the offer. So we have a great lineup of guests moving forward. Our next guest will be Chris Benson of Benson Coppola & Associates. Chris is not only an expert in practice transition, but is keeping a close watch on the DSO marketplace and its impact on orthodontists. Uh, We'll talk about how we can effectively compete with these large multi-doctor groups that have already have in-house orthos, as well as opportunities they present for the young graduating residents that are coming out with astronomical debt and need a job. It should be an interesting podcast. And if you'd like to ask Chris a question, or if you have a comment or suggestion for the podcast in general, you can visit us at thesurvivalguidefororthodontists.com and leave your question or suggestion through our Click to Talk button. You can also download other episodes or sign up for our marketing newsletter there. And of course, if you enjoyed the podcast, tell one of your colleagues. We'd really appreciate it. If you want to learn more about the business of running an ortho practice, please join me at the MKS Forum on Friday, October 25th and 26th in Dallas. I'll be speaking there. They're offering special discount for our podcast listeners. Get $150 off the registration. You can go to mksforum.com. Use the promotion code KLEMPNERMKS. Gee, Amy, aren't you glad you don't have that last name anymore? <laughs> yes, I am. Thank you very much. It's Klempner, K-L-E-M-P-N-E-R, M-K-S. Uh, I'll put the details in the show notes. Jonathan Nikazesis, our last guest, and Maz Mashiri of the Aligner Intensive Institute asked Leon to become one of their guest lecturers. So he'll be discussing how to integrate plastic, technology, and marketing. If you want to learn to treat more patients with plastic, we suggest you take their four-month online intensive course developed specifically for orthodontists. It's also an easy way to get 45 CE credits. Visit alignerfellowship.com. Leon will also be presenting a webinar sponsored by Rhinogram on Thursday, the 15th of August at 8 p.m. The topic will outline the specific changes we recommend you incorporate into your practice to capture the new breed of digital natives that we were talking with Leanne about just earlier. We'll include everything in our next marketing newsletter. So if uh, you haven't subscribed, you can do so at pplpractice.com. And finally, if you'd like to talk about how Amy and I can help you grow your ortho practice, shoot me an email at leon at pplpractice.com. That's P's and Peter, P's and Peter, Ellis and Larry, practice.com. Uh, we can set up a complimentary call and customize a digital plan for you. Quick shout out to my high school sweetheart, Lori. We will celebrate our 45th anniversary this month. We started dating the summer 69, so it's 50 years together. Best decision I ever made. I really like that decision. That was important to my existence. So. <laughs> 
Thanks again for listening. We look forward to you joining us on our next episode. Thank you for joining us on the Survival Guide for Orthodontists, where we help your practice grow within a massively disrupted industry. Subscribe to this podcast and connect with us on social media. Find us online at the survival guide for orthodontists.com.